Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. The philosophy of worship that we're talking about, if you remember, is worthship. Everybody say worthship. God is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our time. He is worthy of our devotion. He is worthy of our energy. He is worthy of our tithes and offerings. He is worthy of our complete surrender. Okay? If you really want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to just remember every day how to completely surrender. Yesterday is gone. It's gone. It's over. Whatever happened... You just got to pick up the pieces, deal with the consequences, and move forward and completely surrender today. Amen? Whatever issues you've been struggling with, whatever drama in your life, completely surrender today. No matter what your tendencies are, no matter what your natural hungers and proclivities are total surrender is the key for everyone every single one of us in order to be surrendered you have to know that you want God's will for your life which means you need his ways in your life you must surrender to the authority of God to be in his will You can't be in the will of God and want your way to. It doesn't work like that. It's called his will, not yours. The best example we've ever had of this is Christ. Who is literally kneeling in a garden, bleeding sweat. And saying, Lord, Father, please let this cup pass for me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, your will be done. That was the model of complete surrender that said, even if I come from good intentions, even if I come from a good heart, a good place, even if I haven't done anything wrong, not my will, your will. That's surrender. So no, you don't get to have your way. And his way at the same time. It has to be all him all the time. James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's the promise. That's the promise. You see, people who struggle with temptations all the time, the problem is you're not replacing it with anything. You're just trying to be absent from something and not replace it with the real thing. You see, all temptation is counterfeit of the real thing. And the real thing is relationship with Christ. So if you don't replace relationship with your will with relationship with his will, you will always still just be over here trying to fight your will. You have to replace your will with his will. You have to replace this temptation with drawing near. Because when you draw near, he will draw near to you as well. Amen. If your heart is to worship God and offer him praise, these seven Hebrew words that we're talking about will deepen your understanding for his heart of worship. Remember that all praise originates in gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. I have a, a, a job, a day job. I, I minister to old people who are dying every day. 
I'm a chaplain of people who uh, are literally on their deathbed. And it's so interesting to me how some of them who, for lack of proper comparison, don't have too many issues compared to the ones who have probably the worst imaginable, how different their attitude is. I have a patient who can walk, can talk, can get around, eat, feed himself, complains all the time, is angry all the time, depressed all the time. But then I have a patient who has ALS, who is literally paralyzed from the neck down, cannot feed herself, cannot move. Everything imaginable has to be done for her. She can hardly even talk at this point. And she is the most grateful person I've ever met in my life. And it blows my mind how just the perspective changes the attitude and the atmosphere in the home. You go to one place, seemingly can handle all by himself. Horrible. Just hates life. Go to another place, can't lift a finger but yet loves the Lord and gives praise to God with every breath she takes. That's called gratitude, where your circumstance does not determine your praise. Your praise determines your circumstance. Amen. It's a matter of where you start. And all praise starts with gratitude. You cannot praise God unless you're grateful. There, it's impossible. You have to remind yourself what you're grateful for. Take a moment right now. What are you grateful for? Have you thought about it? Because most of the time, all we look at is our problems. Most of the time, all we look at is our issues. When's the last time you took inventory of what you're grateful for? When's the last time you sat and said, God, thank you? Thank you. You got a job? Praise him. You got a family? You got kids to feed? Praise him. All the noise we hear? Praise the Lord. Amen? (laughs) Praise the Lord. You have to have the proper perspective. But you cannot have the proper perspective if you're only trying to accomplish your will and your ways. You get that through finding his will and his ways. You're following me this morning. God does not need our praise. He desires it. Why does God desire our praise? Why does God want us to praise him at all? Why does God want us to worship him at all? What's the point in that? It's because the Bible says very clearly that God inhabits the praises of his people. God dwells where praise ascends. In other words, God wants to be with you. You're the point. If you want to connect with God, start praising him. He wants to connect with you, and he dwells where he's praised. He doesn't need it, He wants it. He desires it because he desires us. Does that make sense? He desires his people. He desires the connection. It doesn't build him up. But it builds relationship up. And that is the point of praise. The seven Hebrew words of praise. We talked about halal, yada, Toda, Shabbat, today we're going to do Barak. And then we have left Zamar and Tehillah. So last time we talked about Shabbat. This was the word for a loud noise. Y'all remember? We shouted for a good minute, right? We shouted off some of the frustrations, right? That's, that's a type of praise you should practice, just saying. If you're not a loud person, become one. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Some of y'all been Shabakin since you born. Just saying. 
I don't know where that came from, but whatever. <laughs> Shabbat! Yeah, since you were born, it's there. You're loud, you're just loud. But be loud in your praise is what I'm saying. Not loud in your frustration. See, whatever you give the most volume to becomes a measure of praise. I'm just telling you. See, he even Kenny got that one. He said, I got that. I got that. That word Shabbat happens only 11 times, oddly enough. But we read about the story of the 10 lepers. You remember that story? The 10 lepers, they come to Jesus. They're saying, hey, Jesus, I know we're not supposed to be in this town. We all have leprosy, but we believe that you can heal us. So Jesus looks on them with compassion. What does he do? He heals them all, right, all 10 lepers, and he gives them instruction. Now go to the priest, make sure he checks you out and confirms your healing, and they do that. But here's the thing, only one came back, only one guy. Out of 10, only one came back. And you know what he came back to do? He came back to Shabbat. He started yelling loud at Jesus. Then, hey, remember me? I'm healed. You know what he said? He said, thank you. Shabbat. Yes, sir. He came back and loudly thanked Jesus for his healing. Amen. I asked a question. Hopefully you remember the answer. I said, why did only one come back? Yeah, the perspective changed. See, the other guys... They were still outsiders in their mind. These guys were not supposed to be in. They're, they were all supposed to be outsiders, right? Lepers are not supposed to be a part of the people. They're supposed to stay outdoors, supposed to stay away from the town. They probably got healed and went back to their life and stayed away. This guy said, if I'm going to be healed, I'm going to live like I'm healed. I'm going to move forward with my life. I'm going to praise God with my life and do everything that he's called me to do. So this one dude came back, not because he was the only one that kept his healing, but he was the only one that changed his mindset about who he was now. This man was grateful. And because he was grateful, he became whole, not just physically, but spiritually. You see, this is the key. You can be saved, you can be healed, and still be ungrateful. You know what that means? It means you're not whole. And the point is to become whole. You have to be whole spiritually, not just physically. You want to know what the hardest issue America deals with? We have everything we want and not enough of what we need. We have it all. I mean, we have it all. And yet we do not have what we need. And what we need is to be grateful. That's how we become whole. My encouragement to you is to never forget to praise God for getting you out of the situations you prayed to be out of. To never forget to praise God for healing you. you got to remember to do this like this guy. To come back and praise God. To never forget for praising God to protecting your kids. One of my boys going to camp today. I know God's going to protect him. God's going to minister to him while he's there. Don't ever forget to praise God for providing that new job that you prayed for and now you're complaining about because of all the rules. Just saying. Anybody guilty? Praying for three months to get that job. Six months later, oh, my job. Really? You done had me over here praying for you just so you can complain about your answer? Praise the Lord. Be grateful. Be grateful. It changes things. Don't forget to praise God for being good all the time. Amen? Because he is good all the time, even when your situation is bad. He is still good. He is still worthy of praise. You might be going through the worst moment in your life. He is still worthy of your praise. Today.
We're going to have a new word, Barak. Let's pray. We're going to pray. Let's pray, kids. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence in this church. We thank you for our children, our families. Lord, we thank you for provision. We thank you for providing for us so that we can cover this AC cost and any future cost going on. I ask that you continue to bless our time this morning. Speak to us. Let us hear straight from you. Let it not be my words, but yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Today we have a new word. All the kids say Barack, not Obama. Although it's spelled exactly the same. People think that Barack's name is a Muslim name. Many don't know this, but Islam is a relatively new religion. So if you, if you, if you want some comparison here, Judeo-Hebrew faith that we read about in the Old Testament is roughly 6,000 years old. Okay? You, know you want to know how old Islam is? 1,500 years old. It came... More than 500 years after Christ ascended and resurrected. Okay. Islam is an afterthought to Christianity. Islam was not Abraham's religion, which a lot of guys preach for some weird reason because Abraham worshipped the moon. Yeah, a lot of people worship the moon, bro. Islam was not around. So Barack Obama's name is not an Islamic name, though they claim it's an Islamic name. Barack Obama's name is actually a Hebrew name for praise. Chew on that for a second. This word really only has one real meaning. It means to kneel. It means to Bless God. Everybody say, bless God. When we, we when, I can't speak. When we read, wow, that's hard. When we read words like blessing or God blessed or he blessed them, a lot of times that word is actually Barak, which means to kneel in praise. And we're going to read some of this today. This word happens the most of all the words 330 times in Scripture. It's pretty wild. This word is a very interesting word. Because it also means to salute. Which I can't wait to share. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Psalms 95, verse 1 through 7. It says, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth. And the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel, Barak, before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. We are the people he watches over. The flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. Can someone praise the Lord? In verse 6, he says, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel. That word kneel is Barak. So I know up to this point, we've been highlighting words that literally translate to praise. This is the one word that translates to several different words. One of them is praise. One of them is kneel. One of them is bless. Okay? And this word Barak here means to literally kneel. You want to know how to praise God? Get off your feet. Start learning how to kneel. 
Start learning how to salute. These are military terms. These are not just terms of endearment and worship. These are military terms, and we're going to read about this in a second, where when he said it's, I need you to kneel, he meant like this. I'm here. In other words, where are my marching orders? You want to learn how to praise God? Learn to kneel in honor, in submission. Why? Did they ask men to kneel before a king? Why did they kneel? You want to know where the salute comes from, interestingly enough? Anybody know? Old, old history, they would wear the helmets that had those eye visors to protect them. People think the salute comes from just a sign of honor. No, no, no. It came from the knighthoods who had to lift up their visor to see each other. (laughs) Because of the thing that was covering their eyes, they had to do this. Hi. (laughs) It eventually became a sign of knighthood, which became a salute, which became a symbol of respect or authority. In other words, I need to see you. When he says salute, what he's saying is, I want to I look in your eyes. I need to see you. Where are you? Right? This, this idea of saluting or kneeling, this is, a, this is not just about reverence. This is about connection. The other reason they asked men to kneel, because when you kneel, you are vulnerable. You don't have a defense. When you kneel, you are, you know, you're just open to attack. Anybody can can take you out that way. Anyone. When you kneel and someone's standing right in front of you, it's over. You're, You're giving your sign of submission that I am not a threat. You're in charge. So when he says to kneel, You have to become then vulnerable and open to whatever God decides. Does that make sense? In Genesis 12, we have something very interesting happen. Follow me to Genesis 12, chapter 1, or Genesis 12, verse 1 through 9. It says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped there. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. This is an interesting set of scripture. Because every time you see the word bless or blessing, it's the word Barak. And so he starts off by saying, I will bless you. I will bless 
you. And then you will be a blessing. You see, you can't be a blessing unless you first become blessed. And this word is barak. This word is praise. This word is to kneel. How can you learn to serve other people if you first don't serve the king? How do you become a blessing to someone else unless you first have kneeled before the Lord? said, I will bless you and then you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. So then God makes this covenant. Anyone who blesses you, I will also bless. This is powerful. Because what does this say about like the church? Or if I pull someone up and I begin to bless that person, God's going to honor that. He says, anybody that you bless, I will bless too. Anyone that you honor, I will honor too. Anyone that you serve, I will serve too. I will bless those who bless you and curse those that curse you. All the families on earth will be blessed, Barak, through you. All the families on earth. There is a promise that at some point, Abram never sees it, but at some point, all of earth was blessed because of the blessing that Abram received from God, because he chose to kneel before the Lord. You see, you may not have caught it, but what's so, what's so interesting in verse 7, it says, then the Lord appeared to Abraham. That little phrase there is such a big deal because it means he actually physically appeared. He physically showed up. It wasn't just in his mind. You know what this is called? This is called a theophany. It's just a big word for saying that God arrived in some physical form. The Lord appeared to Abram. He showed himself to him in some form. He showed up and he says, hey, I'm here. It's time to bless you. Abram had this encounter. He first heard the Lord, then he saw the Lord, and then he knelt before the Lord and received his blessing. He said, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. So Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. God showed up. He showed up and revealed himself to him physically with his eyes. Worship team, y'all come up. I got another story for you here. Joshua 5. See, Abram was the precursor to the story we read a couple weeks ago about Joshua leading his men into the battle of Ai and the battle of Jericho. You remember that story? We talked about Jericho, the walls falling. And then the battle of Ai when Achan sinned and took the stuff and hid it under his tent. That whole story happens later on. Abram was there first. He was there for, for a long time before those things happened. And so we have fast forward to Joshua who took over from Moses when Moses died. Joshua is the one that actually subdues the land of Canaan. He's the one that actually fulfills what God promised to Abram many generations before. See, God said, one day all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Joshua became that blessing. Joshua became that person. And this is the story. This is what happens in Joshua 5.13. It says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you a friend or a foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell to his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals 
for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. This situation is different from Abram's situation because this situation is called a Christophany. You know who this is? This is Jesus. This is the commander of the Lord's army. We see him in the book of Revelation in this role. We see him in the future in this role. And he appears to Joshua in the form of a warrior. What I find interesting about this is that when he asked him if he was a friend or a foe, he said, neither. Well, why? Because in certain moments, God is not your friend or your foe. He's your commander. In certain situations, you just need to be like, what do you want me to do? Joshua obviously recognized the authority that Jesus was holding in that moment. He fell to his face. That word was Barak. He fell to his face and began to give reverence and say, whatever you want me to do, I'm, I'm doing it. He saluted him. He honored him. My encouragement to you this morning is if you haven't in a while, it's time to kneel. It's time to kneel. It's time to surrender your will and your ways. It's time to kneel. It's time to start asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what do I want to do? What do you want me to do? There are many of you in this room that are trying to make big decisions right now. Lord, what do you want me to do? The commander of the army of the Lord wants to stand in front of you. What, are you, what is your response going to be? You see, what I noticed about this story is Joshua in the past would give you every reason and excuse why he shouldn't do something. But in this moment, the only thing that comes out of Joshua's mouth is, Lord, speak, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I'm your servant. It was complete submission. It was complete surrender. It was complete abandonment to the will and ways of his commander. It had nothing to do with Joshua's desires, had nothing to do with his expectations, had nothing to do with his emotions, had nothing to do with his wants, his needs, his, his hopes and dreams. None of that mattered in that moment. He's standing in front of the king of kings and he's saying, whatever you want, I will do. My question to you this morning is, are you going to kneel too? Are you ready to kneel before the king? There's only a couple of these instances in scripture where Christ shows up. There's only a couple of them. This was such an important moment. Because of this encounter, Joshua was able to claim the land that was promised generations before to Abram. He was able to do the impossible because he was able to give up everything. One more scripture for you. This blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. I always like uh, to go back to the first, there's this principle in Bible study called the law of first mentions. You want to know where something was first mentioned, right? Because it tells you a lot about that thing. And so I wanted to know where is the word Barak first? Where does it first happen? I was shocked where it first happened because I did not expect it. Genesis 1 verse 26 it says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. 
They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, Barak, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This word, Barak, right here, when it says, then God blessed them, you know what he did? He kneeled. You see, reading this, I finally realized something. And when you learn to praise God, when you learn to kneel before the Lord, it's so important to do it because he's right there with you because he actually kneeled first. He looked at Adam and Eve and he kneeled. to show us what it looks like to surrender. You see, in that moment, when he blessed Adam and Eve, he became vulnerable with them. Because for however long period of time it was that Adam and Eve was sinless, there was a connection with humanity that was so deep We'll never understand it till we get to heaven. There was a connection that was so pure that they talked face to face, that they looked each other in the eye. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine walking with God every morning? Can you imagine knowing what his voice really sounds like? God kneeled before his creation to give us a glimpse on what that relationship is supposed to be like. You want to know another time God kneeled? Every time he went up the mountain to pray, the Bible says he got on his face and he began to pray to his father. He kneeled. You want to know another time God kneeled? Remember the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, running towards Jesus, said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm blind, but I believe you can heal me. Jesus kneels down in the dirt, grabs some mud, grabs some dirt, spits on it, creates some mud, puts it on his eyes, and he's healed. Jesus had to kneel to heal that man. You see, what we don't understand is that if God is willing to kneel, why aren't we? He's willing. He's willing to kneel. He is willing to show us what surrender looks like. It was the most significant act of surrender for Christ to come and die in our place. That is the ultimate sign of kneeling. Let's stand. It changes or it should change our perspective on every time you read the word blessing or blessed. <laughs> we always pray that God would bless us. We always pray that God would bless someone or bless something. Lord, bless this food. Lord, bless our home. Lord, bless our kids. We always say these things, right? We say, God bless you when someone sneezes, but do we even understand what this word means? This word blessing means to surrender, to kneel, to salute, to be vulnerable, to praise. God bless you. Very time. You want to be blessed like that? Or do you want to be blessed in the modern church, you know, Christianese term, where you get stuff? 
That's, that's not blessing. That's superficial. I don't want stuff. I want him. Right? You want to be blessed? Kneel. Lift your hands with me. Lord, we thank you so much this morning for the privilege and honor to kneel before you, to give you praise, to give you glory, to worship you the way that you desire so that you may dwell and inhabit our praises. I pray that we learn how to kneel, that we learn how to surrender, that we learn how to say thank you, that we don't just simply say that we want to be blessed, but we demonstrate it. There may have been times in your life where you didn't know what to do. God says all you have to do is kneel so that I can bless you. Blessing is not about fixing. Blessing is about relationship. Praise is not about perfection. Praise is about relationship. It's time to bless the Lord this morning. Sing it out. Come on, it's time to kneel this morning. Time to surrender this morning. Yes, our God reigns forever. Your kingdom reigns. Yes, our God reigns. Yes, our God
Come on, lift your voice and sing to him this morning. I want to read this. This should be our prayer. It's Psalm 25. It says, O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion. And your unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love. For you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We must learn how to always fear the Lord, reverence Him, 
honor him. And in doing so, we kneel before the Lord. This means you kneel in prayer. This means you kneel at your job. This means you kneel with your family. You kneel and you surrender at all times because he's worthy of it. He is worthy of it. Things are going great, kneel. Things are going bad, kneel. And nothing's going on, kneel. You wanna know what to do next, kneel. You wanna know where to go, kneel. You need answer to prayer, kneel. Are you the problem, kneel. Whatever it is, kneel. Surrender to the Lord. You can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.